I'm Kate Daniels. There's always been a degree of violence in our world, and it's the women who most often have been the victims. In fact, the statistics today are that one in three women is a victim. This is alarming, and really, it's a crisis. And these two women, the authors of the book, Street Smart Safety for Women, Your Guide to Defensive Living, speak from experience and with authority to teach us, to guide us, to know what to look for, what to do to be safe. Joining us this morning are former Deputy Sheriff Joy Farrell and Laura Frombach, a technologist and engineer and a domestic violence survivor, to provide valuable insights and information. Joy Farrow and Laura Frombach, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Good morning. Good morning, Kate. It's great to be here. And what a powerful team the two of you are uh, collaborating and creating this new book, which we'll say right at the beginning isn't quite available yet in bookstores, but pre-orders, that's the name of the game here. I think every woman and perhaps a man who is supporting her in her life, but All women really need this for their own protection, correct? Yes, thank you. And what we say is that this is not only for all women, but it's for everyone who loves women, because we need all the help we can get to be safe. The global statistics on violence against women are horrifying. The women's, I mean, I'm sorry, the World Health Organization has said, for over a decade that one in three women globally has been the victim of a sexual or physical assault at least once in their life. Those numbers and statistics are horrifying, frightening. Absolutely frightening. And we may even be aware of some of that in our own neighborhood or our own city happening. But when we think about the global... that is just utterly shocking, and we should be disgusted by it. And and here you are being more proactive and helping us to find know how we can approach that. Yes, and and to put it in context, if you were sitting in an auditorium or even in a group of people, one in three look to your left, look to your right. One of those women has been the victim. And and you know when you put it in the context like that, and you put it in the context that the world population is 8 billion people, and you do the math on that, that's over 1 billion victims. And those kinds of numbers, just totally stunning and so unacceptable. And yet, I think between just, well, all of us, the perpetrators as well as the victims, there's just become sort of an acceptance in a crazy sort of way, that this is just the way it's been. Uh, people say we we need to stop it, but not knowing where they start or how to start. And again, I feel that's where you come into it. Yes. And what we're trying to do is modernize the rules of women's safety. So we're changing it up, especially with our safety intuition. And yes, exactly. Now, I personally just love the whole idea of intuition. And it's been something that I've really aimed to work on personally, but still it seemed to be sort of out of reach or something beyond me, you know, years and years ago. But I feel, Laura, that you have a great way to approach it and really simplify it, correct? Yes, thank you. We consider safety intuition is our natural birthright. 
it isn't anything woo-woo. It isn't anything mystical, but it's something that Joy and I have, have realized. We didn't even understand that we were developing it. But as populations that have been victims of violence, I'm a victim of family violence. Joy was on the police force and the deputy sheriff for over 28 years. Those two populations, in addition to Military veterans are people who have had to develop their safety intuition as a matter of, of survival, really. It's intuit or die. But to drill down into safety intuition just a little bit, like I said, it's not woo-woo. It is simply our five senses reporting our environment back to us. And that is something every creature on earth has. But our observation is that women have had that instinct socialized out of us to the point where we are so focused on paying attention to what everybody else wants, even strangers on the street, that we don't pay attention to what our own body is telling us. And our body gives us a lot of messages. And you can hear things, you can see things but we don't pay attention to them because we're so focused on other people. And that's really what we want to change. We want women to stop being polite, so polite, not be, just being polite altogether because that's part of being an important part of civilization, but to stop being so polite that we ignore our own safety. It's more politeness versus preservation mm -hmm. for women. Mm -hmm. This is where the safety comes in for women. And if you consider our ancestors on the savannah, they lived with predators every day, but they listened, they watched for danger from, you know, tigers, lions, predators, apex predators or whatever. What would have happened to them if they would have had their natural preservation socialized out of them? We face the same predators, albeit not four-legged, but two-legged every day. So there's this kind of information that we really need to in, just really embrace and incorporate into our being. And I feel that certainly with your book, Street Smart Safety for Women, we are going to get the stories and get the the outline, the details of, of you know, just again, reemphasizing what you've just encapsulated for us, Laura. Mm -hmm. uh, can I step in? Of course, we look at it. <laughs> we look at it like um, defensive driving. So we call it defensive living. But mm -hmm. you, we want you to think of it the same way as you were brought up defensive driving. You could do a lot of things in your car all at the same time. And that's what we want you to do. We don't want women to be afraid. We want women to be able to step out of their house and be confident and just be able to handle these things all at the same time, just as you get into your car and monitor driving and tackle people cutting in front of you and handling all these things in the car. We want you to be able to do that when you're out and about. So using your peripheral vision turning your head from side to side, you know, just gaining more uh, around you and looking what's around you and, and paying more attention to that. Joy, would you say that 
when you were on the force that you noticed that women didn't really utilize their peripheral vision as much as, as you would have liked them to? They didn't. And I handled so many repeat calls time and time again, where women were almost embarrassed to report the call saying, I should have known and I I didn't do this and I, I didn't look around or I was on the phone. I didn't see him coming up behind me or they were in their car. And one of my big thing is don't put your car window down to talk to a stranger. And a lot of our friends, this is news to them. I said, well, I don't want to be rude. Well, the problem is the second you put down that window, you don't know what you're encountering on the other side. And this is what happens. Predators just, they come in right through the window with a gun or a knife or carjacking and, you know, murder doesn't get better. So we don't even open our window slightly if we can't hear. You know, you don't even need to. You can try it with your friend. You can hear perfectly fine, but it's a habit. You can hear through the window. But we've noticed that predators, especially men, but I've had women do it to me, will pressure you to open the window. Oh, can you can you put the window down? Uh, why? I can hear you. Well, if you just put the window and I've had that discussion with people. And why do you have to? Do you want to tell the story about when it happened to you? I was in a parking lot and I had just finished shopping and I was off duty and I just got in the car close the door and two women came up to the car and I saw them and they said, Oh, can I talk to you? I said, what do you need? And they said, well, can you put the window down? And I said, well, what do you need? And this went up and back a couple of times. And they said, well, if you only put the window down and I said, step back, I'm going to back out. They obviously needed something else that they, it wasn't an emergency But, you know, the question was to me is because it sounded strange. I know they wanted something else. So I backed out and watched them a little through the parking lot and saw them just walking from car to car looking for somebody. So, you know, that's an indication somebody needs something else, you know, other than just asking you a question. If you had a question or, oh, my gosh, can you help me? I'm bleeding. Something I would you know, call 911 or anybody could do something. But the point of people pressuring you to open your front door is another big one. Just because somebody knocks on your front door does not mean you need to open that. Um, Plenty of predators um, use many different tactics now to knock on your door and wear different clothes from different companies that you're familiar with and just pretend to do different things to get in your home. And particularly because they know that women are too polite. And we as women don't want to leave somebody in peril. I mean, we are hardwired that way. We don't want to leave people in peril. We want to be helpful. But the good news is we all have cell phones today and we can call someone else for help. We like to say, Women are not the world's Swiss army knife. We can call someone else for help. And that's being just as helpful. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, when we talk about having cell phones, though, and and Joy, as you were talking about using the peripheral vision, the thing is, 
so often you see people walking down the street looking yes. at their phones or they have uh, headphones on or those earbuds or whatever. So nice. that that's taking the focus rather than paying attention to our surroundings. It is. And if you're wearing headphones, because we know, you know, everybody will and the music and talking, it makes it easier to hear. But if you're just, if you're out and around or or you're jogging or, or on a bike, um, it's better to put it on transparency mode. You know, you, you're going to hear the music, but you are going to hear sounds around you a little better instead of closing that out. You want to hear somebody coming up behind you. They're not going to announce themselves. They're just going to walk up. And especially if they see that you're involved on the phone, Mm -hmm. you don't want to be so involved or so engrossed that, or even in your car, sitting in a parking lot, that you don't see somebody come up to your window because, you know, if they had a gun, they'll use it or they'll smash the window. And you really, you have nowhere to go. You're startled. So, you know, it's just these little things that we want women to be a little more aware of in their day. One more thing. Remember that you have always talked about women getting in their car and sitting there on the phone before they leave. That's something that happens all the time. You definitely don't want to do that. You know, if you can just leave that spot as soon as possible, that's the best thing to do. Just Even, in, just in general. So not if you've noticed someone following you, for instance. Right. No, just in general, because there are people that just prey on people in mall parking lots or very busy areas. It it doesn't take long to watch people in a big city and just not know that somebody has been following them for the longest time because. They're not even moving their head to look around to see who's behind you. And one of my other things that women don't realize, mainly because they're so polite all the time, is predators tend to use phrases because they're phrases that get you to stop to talk to you because they're going to use charm. Mm -hmm. And that's the best way to talk to women is to charm them and get them to stop. So one of them is, excuse me, miss. And that is the first line that will get women to stop because they're going to turn and look around and say, oh, talking to me and and stop. Well, now you've just closed the gap on maybe somebody you didn't want to talk to. And at that point, it's too late. What you really need to do is when you hear that, turn and look and look them right in the face, but keep walking. Keep going, get your spray in your hand ready, get a hand on the phone, but don't stop to talk. Just because they decided they want to try to get you to stop doesn't mean you need to. And that is the cause of a lot of problems also. People will just yell that out in a parking garage. You know, you're on your way to your car, but oh, somebody said, excuse me. Oh, they must need me for something. They don't. They don't need to. There's that socialization of women feeling, oh, yes, I'm the helper here. Exactly. And, and Joy, you mentioned spray. So are you suggesting we have like a little toolkit or a little pouch of of safety items we carry with us? Absolutely. I'm a big proponent of at least carry uh, pepper spray 
pepper gel, pepper foam. They fit in the palm of your hand. If you're a runner, you can carry it um, with the neoprene. It um, fits in the palm of your hand, even if your hand gets wet. That is the one thing that will deter an attacker immediately. They're going to have trouble breathing. They're going to immediately put their hands to their face. There are very few people that um, can work through this spray. It's horrible. It um, it makes you cry, makes you cough. You're not going to die from it, but you know what? It it's going to be very hard for a predator to continue an attack after this. So you know, to have that, that would be your first layer: is use the spray, and that usually works about six to eight feet. So you don't have to be that close to them. And they have to go through this mist of spray. It's like it's worse than skunk spray. And nobody wants to go through that. <laughs> um, one of the other great sprays is bear spray. And we've had our encounters of using uh, bear spray. Fantastic. Bear spray shoots 30 feet in a stream, you know, because you're going to use it for an animal. But it works on two-legged creatures. Mm -hmm. And it's great. But, uh, you know, of course, in your normal day, bear spray is a little too large because of the propellant. So that's really something uh, on a walk or um, with uh, riding your bike or to keep in your car. But, you know, when you're out and around, I would keep a little sonic um, device that you could uh, attach in your in your purse. You can even carry it in your pocket. You can carry it around your waistband, but something along with the spray. So layer your defenses, definitely. Right. Because, because we don't want to limit our life and stay sheltered inside, no. but no. continue to live, but in a very v proactive and aware way using our intuition, our right. safety intuition. Right. Right. It seems to me in our current society, which actually has been going on for maybe even two decades now, is with social media, with dating apps, women, aren't we putting ourselves into a really precarious situation with uh, with that? Because, oh, I mean, we can even in a where we see people face to face. But here there's that uh, there's a way to be anonymous. Mm -hmm. And that is it's the excuse me, it's the gift and the terror of technology. So you think mm -hmm. about dating in the old days. How did people usually meet? Well, you usually met through somebody that you know. So you would have like a third party verification. Hey, this is my brother. Hey, this is my cousin. This is somebody I know from college. So it didn't necessarily guarantee that some that you knew about somebody, but you would at least have somebody vouch for them that you knew something about them was true. You knew they went to college. You knew they were an architect or whatever. Today, with social media and dating apps, all bets are off. Anybody can be anything they want to be and portray themselves as anything like that on social media and especially on those dating apps. And then we come to also the situation where the domestic violence is happening in the home. This is for the spouse. This is for the children as well. And, uh, of course, you 
have your own personal experience with that that you share with us, Laura. Uh, but in general, wh- what kind of recourse, uh, safe recourse, is there for children and for women? And maybe it's the children who, you know, have both parents or there's only a single parent and that parent is is uh, perpetrating the abuse. Mm-hmm. That's what happened to me as I grew up. Both of my parents were violent and I grew up with violence to the point where I actually thought that violence was normal. And what I have learned as an adult is that it's not. But domestic violence, domestic abuse are patterns and often passed down from generation to generation. But those patterns can be stopped. But as you said, especially for the women and the children, it is so dangerous. It is even more dangerous when the woman decides to leave her partner. It's dangerous for her and it's dangerous for the children. And that's when she needs to plan her pattern of departure, because once the perpetrator realizes that she is on her way out and he can't control her anymore, that is the most dangerous time. I will also say that domestic violence and domestic abuse are patterns, and those patterns begin when dating. And so that's why in our book, we talk so much about why it is so important for women, particularly, to be aware of patterns of uh, violence, control, and domination during the dating phase, because domestic violence and abuse don't just happen on the first date. First, the abuser wants to charm you. They want you to fall in love with them. So they use what's called love bombing. And they want to close that relationship as quickly as they can. They overwhelm you with affection. They overwhelm you with gifts. And you know what? It feels so good. So of course we fall in love with them, but you know what? These predators know exactly what they're doing. And that phase of love bombing is what hooks the women into these relationships. Because if they were abused 24-7, they would never stay. But the cycle moves in and out of love bombing and violence, love bombing and abuse. And so they go back because they want it to be the way that it was in the beginning. And unfortunately, that's why it's so difficult to leave because they want it to go back and they think it's going to be the way that it was, but it will never be the way that it was in the beginning. And we also want to say that, you know, domestic violence is a it tends to be embarrassing mm. for people in a situation and um, they want to keep it a secret because they feel that either nobody will believe them that this is what's really happening. And even the children, the children would are embarrassed to who are they going to tell their friends and it's embarrassing to them. But we really want Um, people in that situation, we want women to develop um, trusted friends. And when you're in a situation like this, that you feel there is no way out, there are um, domestic shelters and so many organizations that will help you immediately. And it's always good to have trusted friends at work, even family members that you could um, let them know what's happening and um, I'm going to make an exit. 
oh, I have to get out. This is what's happening with the children. And even, you know, for children or, or teenagers, you know, to let a teacher know, let a trusted person at school know what's happening in their home because it's such a secret. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for neighbors to know. And that's why a lot of times, you know, what's the first thing you see on TV is, oh, we didn't know. He, they were so nice. That's the problem. It's kept a secret for so long until something bad happens. A, a family and neighbors and friends feel like, oh, if only I would have known. Domestic violence and abuse are very isolating by their nature. The abuser wants the victim all to themselves. And the antidote to that is community because that breaks the secret. When we can go into community and we can share with others, whether it's a church group, whether it's a social group, whether it's your family, whoever it is, break that silence. And, you know, that's what's often said about domestic violence. Break the silence of domestic violence and start to use your voice and start to speak because domestic violence cannot exist the way that it does in community. And one of the things, I'll just segue to this very quickly, one of the things we talk about in our book is the commonality between domestic violence victims and POWs from the Korean War. That's what was used in brainwashing, those isolation tools and getting the soldiers away from their comrades. That's one of the the huge tools Mm -hmm. of brainwashing, and that same isolation is used with domestic violence and abuse. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when we see that that occurs, that should take away some of that shame that is felt, right? And and knowing that it's so prevalent, there's no reason to be ashamed. Absolutely not. That is... I I could just shout from the rooftop the rooftops because that is if you think about it that is the way our society is towards all victims mm-hmm. it's the victim's fault well you know what it's not it's mm-hmm. not and especially in domestic violence the only thing the victim did wrong was fall in love <laughs> she fell in love and she was taken advantage of and you know what there is no shame in that because that is our super power. Love is our strength. And by rebuilding those bonds of community, they the victim can begin to to leave that isolation and to shed that shame. No, and victims tend to start to fall into the trap of believing the lies of the abuser that, well, if I didn't lose my job, if I didn't do, oh, yeah, well, no, it's not your fault. The abuse still doesn't have to happen to a victim or children in the family because whatever incident happened to the abuser, that's their problem. And that's not how it should roll downhill and um, make excuses for. Exactly. So this book, so critically important, as we see, this is an epidemic. I think you've mentioned that, too, in the book, that this is really an epidemic and something has to be done. And one of the antidotes here is this book, Street Smart Safety for Women, 
pre-order it. Go to your favorite bookstore and ask for it by name. And in the meantime, too, check out the TED Talks. I think you're both just so brilliant and really captivating with what you share in our TED Talks. So we can just Google the name. I think I'll put that. It'll be a link on our website, too, to get to the TED Talks. But I am just so grateful to you for the work that you're doing, for taking time with us this morning, uh, Laura and Joy, and for just really breaking this open so that we feel empowered. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank, Thank you. you, Kate. This was wonderful. Well, you're wonderful. <laughs> well, <laughs> so thank you. I think we did get a good half hour from this. I hope that you feel that we we covered territory. Great. We covered a lot of tears, um, Lori. Thank glad you. we got the word out. Thank right. you so much. Right. And and we really hope that this will give women a lot to think about and some things to do differently. Absolutely. Well, again, many. <laughs> yes, let's be intuition safe, right? Doing right. safety intuition. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Be well. All and right. I wish you great success and uh, that everybody that is in a precarious situation gets a copy of the book. Thank you. Thank you. Yes.